You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Yeah, I was impressed. I, I've run many uh, youth conferences uh, in my day, and this one just rocked. It was so good. Just the amount of love and joy and peace and laughter. Just the ability for the youth, pe- young people to see what it is like for adults to, to, to laugh and love and plan. And I just got to give high honor to Caleb. One time, At one point I said, whose idea was this? And then classic Caleb says, oh, the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like, <laughs> all right, so it was you. And he goes, mm, the Holy Spirit. You know, so, but this is risky for leaders, right? It's like we have this thing, the Holy Spirit drops on us, and we're like, oh, it, really? I mean, what if I say something and everyone goes, what? No. You know, or like, well, if you want, I guess we'll, we'll support you in your thing. You know, it's like, so it's just all of a sudden this, 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 this snowballed into what uh, Jesus wants the youth of this area to be impacted by love and truth. And so I just uh, want to honor you. You, you. you stood up and you led and it worked really well. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's some good leadership there. So, all right. Um, there are 12 disciples, ended up being 13. It's a long story. Which one's your favorite? John, why? A deep guy. Okay, so shallow people, no, not interested. Deep guy. Okay, I mean, he, John wrote a lot. Uh, Book of Revelation's really deep. If you want to wanna jump in the deep end, write, read one of his books. And then when you see him in all of eternity, you can go, okay, John, really, what were you talking about? Okay, excellent answer. Who else? Who's your favorite disciple? Peter. Well, first of all, let's find out how many would agree that John is your favorite disciple. How many in the room don't know any of the 12 disciples? And you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, good. So Peter, why? Who said Peter? Why? Raw and real and wrong. <laughs> you know, it's seriously. I mean, his bold. Bold in his error, right? I mean, there's one passage where Peter, I mean, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Because he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered. And then he goes, who do you say that I am? And Peter goes, you're the Christ, the son of, I don't even know if he was standing like this, but I imagine that he was. You know, kind of superhero pose, because that's kind of Peter, you know, watch me. You are the Christ, the son of a living God. And, and, and Jesus turns to him and says, this has not been revealed to you by man, but my father in heaven, which is one of the greatest affirmations you can ever receive. And then Jesus, a few verses later, about five or six, says, I actually have to go die. And Peter goes, no. And then Jesus turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. You know, it's like, that's an intense thing. But Peter was bold in both. Bold and you're in the Christ, the Son. And no, I can't let you do that, right? Just bold. So we're going to take a look at Peter this morning. If you have other disciples, who is your least favorite disciple? <laughs> Judas? Judas is your favorite lately? Okay, that'll preach. <laughs> say, wait a minute. Yeah, but there's there's some guys that hardly get any print. Like, you know, Nathaniel. It's like, uh-uh. It's like, he's, we're going to get to him in heaven. He's like, I worked hard. <laughs> Nobody even knows who I am. It's like, yeah, well. Andrew's pretty good. Yeah. But most of these guys didn't get a book. There's no book, right? But Peter got a book. And if I had a book. 
And I went through all this junk because this makes Peter look horrible. I mean, the Bible doesn't really gloss over anything. Let's, let's talk about the failure of Moses. Let's talk about the failure of Abraham. Let's talk about the fail. I mean, the, all these guys failed. Joseph, let's talk about the failure of Joseph. You will all bow down to me, brothers, and I can't believe why you don't like that message. <laughs> fail, right? David, the fail. I mean, it's almost like the Bible is like, let's write down the failures of all these people to encourage everyone for thousands of years. It's, just, it's, this, it's this crazy thing that actually happens. So if I had a book, and I knew, it's like, okay, I got trashed in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Acts was a bit tough, but I got, I got, some, I got some good mentions in Acts. I got my own book. Okay, so uh, self-justification. Um, Jesus said, toward me, that upon this rock, I will build my church. So I think there's some prophetic unction that I will be important in the foundation of the church. Okay, note one. Note two, I was around a campfire that was really angry at Jesus. If I would have said something about knowing Jesus, I probably would have been killed, and therefore I would not have been allowed to be the foundation of the church. So I was simply walking out the prophetic word that Jesus gave. That would have been my, my introduction to Peter. He doesn't go there. Right? It's just Jesus all the time. But we actually have to go through the story to see how, G, how Peter responded to failure. Does anybody in the room have some significant failures in your life? No, I'll wait. I'm in no rush. My flight's at 6 p.m., so I'm like, I, I, there's some people who haven't raised your hand yet. I'll, seriously, I'll wait. Is there anyone in the room that has some significant failures? Bruce, I'm waiting on you, buddy. <laughs> no? I once spent 25 minutes raising my hand without lowering them. So, it's like. so let's see how this works. Take your Bibles and go to John, John chapter 18. There are four Gospels. A lot of them are parallel passages, which means they tell the same story from a different perspective. Uh, Matthew 26 would be a really good parallel passage to John verse, uh, chapter 18. But uh, we're going to start in John 18. A um, little bit of background. In Matthew 25, uh, Jesus is talking about, in the Last Supper, he's talking about how difficult it's going to be. And Peter, again, with his superhero pose, says, even if everyone denies you, I will never, and I don't know why I'm standing like, but it's just like, it, that's how it feels. It's like, I will never deny you. Again, he's bold. He's bold in his, I will stand with you forever. And Jesus goes, ah, uh, <laughs> okay. Actually, you're going to deny me three times, and then a rooster's going to crow. And Peter's like, no, this cannot. Because, you know, in the middle of a, of a great worship set, in the middle of a great conference, you, you'll say things. Jesus, I will never deny you. And then Monday hits. <laughs> you know, and somebody said, what would you do on the weekend? Nothing. It's a good game, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you forget that you were loving Jesus 24 hours ago, going, I will never deny you. And then, like, there you go. But that's Peter. Bold. Bold in every way. So he says, no, I will never deny you. 
And then uh, it looks like he does. So let's jump to John 18. And we're going to start in uh, verse 15. Simon Peter, so John 18, 15. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's court, but Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back and spoke to the girl on duty there and brought Peter in. You are not one of the disciples, are you? The girl. I think it's really so cool that this is a girl. <laughs> Peter is intimidated by a girl. Right? I mean, I was intimidated by girls for all my life. Right? Like, I, don't know what the, I don't know what to say to you. But it's a girl, maybe 15, 16. Like, just, just recently, Peter says, I will never deny you. And then a 15-year-old girl takes him out. <laughs> I think that's perfect. <laughs> like, and, and look what Peter says. You're not one of his disciples, are you? And he replied, I am not. Question. If one of your friends, like really close friends, you guys have been tracking for like three and a half years together, you've been traveling together, you've been ministering together, you're actually like percolating ministries, you're seeing healings and signs and wonders and miracles, and, and you're, you're, you're tight, right? Because whenever Jesus got into trouble, he called for three people to come with him. Who were they? Peter, James, and John, the disciple that Jesus loved, which is a really weird thing to call yourself. Okay, so if you read John's, John's book numerous times, John re refers to himself as a disciple that Jesus loved, as if the rest of them are second rate. We'll talk about that when I see him. But <laughs> Peter, yeah, Peter's in that. Okay, it's time to raise the dead. Who does Jesus, Jesus clears the room and calls forward Peter, James, and John. He struggles in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, I want three guys to come follow me. Who are they? Peter, James, and John. So this is not just part of the 12. This is part of the three like the really tight friendship core, okay? And then, so here's the question. Let's say one of your three best friends that you've been ministering with, you've been running with, you've been healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, preaching the gospel, you guys are tight, right? It's like, oh, it's, my, it's my core. And then a 15-year-old girl asks a question to your friend. Hey, don't, don't you know Caleb? Don't you know Bruce? Don't you know, don't, don't you know them? Aren't you guys friends? And all of a sudden, your buddy, your best friend goes, I am not. <laughs> oh, I would, I would, oh, I'd be gutted. What? We're, we're okay when it's all good, but as soon as you get challenged by a 15-year-old girl, you fold? And you, you claim to not even know me? In Matthew 26, it actually says, I don't even know the man. I'm like, oh, oh, Peter, <laughs> what, what is going on? Now, of course, it had really turned against Jesus. And from, from Palm Sunday to before Pilate, the whole crowd seems like they had turned, and it, it got really nasty, like quickly. There was a demonic thing that rose up that caused probably the very same people to go from Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, to crucify him. That, that's, a, that's a mighty shift in, in a city. Okay? And the disciples saw the shift you know, from, from like we're, we're with the coolest guy on the street to we're going to die within a week. And they're all freaking out. Okay? So I'm not saying that, that Peter is mentally unstable. I'm just saying he's vulnerable. Fear of man, that's, that's just part of what he struggled with. And a 15-year-old took, took him out. If that happened to you, if that happened to me, we'd be livid. 
against our friends. Let's keep on reading. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around the fire. Peter was also standing with him, warming himself. Let's jump down to verse 25. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You're not one of his disciples. He denied it, again, saying, I am not. Then one of the high priest's servants, this is another one of Peter's bold moves. Remember when he cut off the ear of the high priest's servant? That was just like, I'm, this is not going to happen. I'm going to find a sword and go nuts. Now, just between you and me, I think Peter's sword skills were lacking. Okay, He was aiming for this, and he got this. And so it's like, it, it just, that's just what it, right? It just wasn't what he was good at. And so this one of the servants, one of the high priest servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, it's actually in the text, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? It's like, you're not going to forget the guy that cut your relative's ear off. It's like, no, I, <laughs> you're the one with the, wah! It's like the weird face, and you cut my friends, my, my cousins, or whatever's ear off. And Peter goes, he denied it again, and at that moment, the roaster began, the rooster, roaster. <laughs> they had really weird roasters back then that sounded weird when, no, the rooster crowed. And you're like, oh. I did it to my best friend. I did it to the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. He needed me to stand with him. He told me what was coming. He even told me that I would deny him, and I fell right into it because of a 15-year-old girl. What kind of a loser am I? What is wrong with me? And all of us have this judge that we fight, that we battle with, that we argue with. And I can only imagine what Peter's judge sounded like. Probably sounds a lot like yours. Stupid. What an idiot. When are you ever going to learn? Come on. Oh, such a loser. This is what you always do. In the, in, in the moment when you need to actually stand up, you fold. I can't believe it. That's the judge. And most of us, in the middle of our greatest shame, pull back. We pull back. We don't hear much about Peter for the rest of John 18. We don't hear much about Peter in John 19. Uh, you heard a couple weeks ago that uh, 11 out of the 12 disciples really abandoned Jesus. So he had a 92% failure rate of his discipleship team. That's pretty high. Like, if you ever have a discipleship team, and 12 of them, and 11 of them go, no, we're out. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're going to have to go on this on your own. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do this. They just, they just faded. John kind of stuck with him, which is why Jesus turned to John and said, behold your mother, talking about his own mother. So one kind of stuck with Jesus no matter what. 11, including Peter. So we don't hear about Peter and John and John. 19, we don't hear about him around the crucifixion. Death of Jesus comes, the burial of Jesus comes. And then we hear about him in, in John chapter 20. What we hear about him is that he's a slow runner. <laughs> I just love this. Again, the writer of this book says that John, it says it numerous times, that John beat Peter in a foot race to the tomb. And I'm like, John's like writing this under the, under the Holy Spirit going, can I put in that I won that race? 
ah, sure, I won that race. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, just uh, I won that race. And, and I'm sure Peter's going, what are you doing? Why'd you put that in the book? Like forever, people are gonna like, oh, that's a slow one, right? So, anyway, so we we find that he that he lost a race, and then Jesus appears to the disciples. So on the evening of the first day, this is the resurrection Sunday. This is John twenty verse nineteen. On the evening of the first day, the light, the disciples were together with doors locked for fear of the Jews. So Peter's really good at fear. He's probably the one that suggested, hey, let's lock the doors. Okay, that's just his thing. It's like, oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid the Jews might come in and, and capture us and kill us. And so Jesus shows up in the room and says, peace be with you. Verse 21, peace be with you. He's like, you guys really need peace. Peter, you really need peace. You got no peace. Um, if you forgive anyone their sins, they're going to be forgiven. And then Thomas goes, he misses that first meeting, and he goes, no, unless I see that this is verse uh, 25, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand on his side, I will not believe. A week later, which is, by the way, today, today is a week after Resurrection Sunday. So the week later, uh, Thomas was with the disciples, though the doors were locked again. Jesus came through and stood among them and says, peace be with you. And he says to Thomas, put your, put your finger here and see my hands. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And he's just stunned with, with Jesus' ability to connect with the disciples. And so Jesus kept on, you know, with many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, he just, he just showed his resurrection power. And ver uh, chapter 21 after Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and it happened this way. So this, we're going to spend the most of our time just on, on the John 21. Verse 3, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter said. Which, by the way, which, this wasn't any of the commands of Christ. So I'll make you fishers of men, yes. But Peter was like, I'm done. I'm out. I don't know what's going on. I'm freaking, I'm, I'm just, I f I'm a failure. I'm going to go back and do what I know to do. I'm going to go back to my other profession. Before Jesus called me out, Jesus told him actually at the very beginning, drop your nets, leave your boats, and come with me. And Jesus, again, shows up. And, and But Peter, what is he doing? He's, he's back to his boats. He's back to his nets. I don't know about this discipleship thing. I don't know about all this kind of stuff. I'm just going to go fishing. And some of us know what that's like. We're in shame. We're in grief. We're beating ourselves up. The judge is winning. We just go back to whatever we're comfortable with. Okay? So the disciples says, we'll go with you. So they went out in the boat and that, and that night that they caught nothing, which is familiar with previous story, same thing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them and says, friends, haven't you any fish? So even though they're, they're not obeying any of the commands of Christ to go heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, preach the gospel to the poor, they're doing none of that. <laughs> they're just fishing. It's like nothing against it. How many fishermen do we have in the room? There's nothing wrong with fishing. Okay? So long as you're not running from Jesus, because then a whale will. Anyway, that's a different story. Um, 
So, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, I told you that was in there, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and he jumped into the water. He jumped into the This is the brilliance of Peter. In the midst of his shame, in the midst of him running away from the commands of Christ, in the midst of his failure, as soon as he hears it's the Lord, he makes his way with, and he jumps out of the boat. G- Peter had a, a tendency to jump out of the boat. Well, at least walk out of the boat. This is like, I don't even care if I walk on water. I don't even care if I sink. I'm jumping out of the boat with my coat on. Like he grabbed his coat. I'm going to need this for some reason. I don't know why, but I'm going to need this. And he jumps out of the boat and he makes his way to, P- to Jesus. That's the right thing to do in the midst of your shame. That's the right thing to do in the middle of your failure. You denied him. You rejected him. You betrayed him. You abandoned him. You said, I don't even know the man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about Jesus. He's a bit of a weirdo. And then you come to your senses, and someone goes, oh, it's the Lord. And you jump out of whatever you're in just to make your way to Jesus. I got to get Jesus. I got, And I could just see him, like, wading through the water. Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that to you. Oh, he's just undone. And he's like, he's just running. Well, he can't run in the water, but he's just like moving as fast as he can toward this, and Jesus is there, and he's made breakfast. It's like, you made breakfast. Like, it's done. It's not like, let me start putting something together for you. It's like, no, it's done. He's anticipated this thing. Now, it's fish for breakfast, which is, mm, maybe if you're Jewish, that's okay, but this is a weird breakfast, right? Fish and bread, mmm, okay. But he's made breakfast, and there's a fire on the beach, and they're like all sitting around, and I'm sure Peter's going, awkward, awkward, I don't know, okay, I, I just, I knew I had to get to him. I knew I had to get to him. I can't handle the shame. I can't handle the failure. I just can't handle it. I was like, how many times do I, I, I'll say sorry for the rest of my life, Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You needed me, and I abandoned you. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then Jesus talks to him. This is where it gets profound. I can't even see the book. So he took the bread and he gave it to them and he did the same with the fish. And this is the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus says to Simon Peter, and this is, the failure had been public. The affirmation has got to be public. Okay? This is not all... Peter, can I go for a walk with you? We got to talk. He's like, no, I want, I want everyone to hear what I have to say to Peter. Because, because all the disciples have lost respect for Peter. It's like, you, you, did, you said what? You said you didn't even know the man? Did you actually say that? Like, yeah. Okay, okay, I know. I, I screwed up. I just, it was this 15-year-old girl. You should have seen the way she looked at me. And the disciples are like, oh, yeah, 15-year-old girls, I get it, you know. First phrase to Peter alone. What, what, would you, what would you say to this friend that abandoned you? 
things that came to my mind is like, what the heck is wrong with you? I needed you. You know, if this is how this is going to work, I can't trust you. Like, you got, you, got some serious, you got some serious work to do. Like, you need to go talk to a therapist or something, because that's, that's messed up. Okay, so, yeah, you got some, when you get this worked out, and 15-year-old girls are no longer in charge of your life, let me know. Because until then, we're kind of done. That's how I would have responded. And not Jesus. Let's read. Simon, son of God, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Now there's some wordplay happening here. Uh, there's uh, eight different Greek words for, for love. Uh, two of them are um, agape and phileo. And this will be a dance between agape and phileo. Agape is unconditional, unfailing, divine, never-ending, sacrificial love. And so Jesus asked him, do you agape me? Do you have this unconditional, never-ending, sacrificial, giving love for me? Do you love me like that, Peter? And Peter answers him back, I, I don't agape you, I phileo you. I, we're friends. I, I, love you like, I love you like a friend. Now, between you and me, I'm not a great friend. <laughs> Sorry, Peter. <laughs> He's probably going to get me for preaching like this. <laughs> you did really well, Peter. I don't, I don't want to talk to the saints, but I'm just saying he's probably going to go, yeah, I got, I got fried all over the world every, every time this got preached. And Jesus said, you agape me, and, and Peter says, I fillet owe you. And Jesus goes, okay, let me ask you again. Well, feed my lambs. And he goes, um, verse 16, again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you, do you agape me? And again, Peter says, Lord, you know I phileo you. Now, in the English, it looks like the same word. It's not. It's like, yeah, Jesus, I, I, have, I have affection for you. And Jesus goes, that's not the question. Do you, do you, will you sacrifice yourself for me? Obviously not. So, so bizarrely, Jesus changes his question. He goes, yes, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, and he changed it and he reduced it down to phileo. He said, do you phileo me? Because he's kind of like, I don't even know if you have the capacity for agape right now. That may, I don't even think that's possible for you. So I'm going to reduce my question. Do you phileo me? And then Peter goes, yes, yes, I phileo you. And then Jesus goes, okay. Then I want you to feed my sheep. What Jesus did here is brilliant. He gave him a job. I want you to, I need you to do something for me. I need you to feed my sheep. I need you to feed the lost sheep of Israel. And we'll notice that all throughout Peter's ministry, most of it was focused on the Jews. Paul's ministry is focused on the Gentiles, and they had some fights and arguments about that. But Peter's ministry was mostly on the lost sheep of, his, of Israel. And Jesus was saying, I need you to feed my sheep. I need you to take care of my lambs. I need you to do that for me. This is the same question that Jesus has for us. Now, when, it, when Jesus is asking, do you love me more than these, there's lots of debate among commentators as to what these are. Does it mean you love me more than these other disciples? Does it mean you love me more than, than the 15-year-old girl? What does this mean? And the, the, the most consistent understanding 
is Jesus is asking him, do you love me more than your nets and your boat? The things that you run to in the midst of failure, do you love me more than your nets and your boat? Now, some of us, what, what do you run to in the midst of failure? What do you run to when you're, when you're disappointed, when you're done, when you, when you don't like yourself? What do you run to? Some of you run to your iPhone. Some of you run to your fridge. Some of you run to any kind of addiction. Some of you run to Netflix. No, I'm just choosing all of my things I run to and putting it on you, okay? So it's not like you. It's like, oh, okay. Some of us run to the new project, the new car, the new business, the new idea, the new relationship, the new trip, the new, what do you run to? So we're going to take a little time right now because I believe Jesus is asking the same question to me, to you. So first of all, what, what do you run to in the midst of failure, discouragement? Where do you go? Consider it for a while. things aren't wrong if they're second. They're wrong if they're first. Jesus didn't say, I don't ever want to see you in a boat again. Jesus said, do you love me? Do you, will you sacrifice everything for me more than you will sacrifice everything for these nets and boats? Will you run to me first before you run to your nets and to your boat? So I believe Jesus is asking you this question. Do you love me more than these? And I want you to answer his question right now. Do you love me more than these? And Jesus goes, feed my sheep. That's, that's what Jesus is asking me from you. Once we have said yes to making Jesus Lord, once we have decided, yes, I love you more than these, whatever these is for you, he'll say, turn to you, says, okay, feed my sheep. And you're like, yeah, I, I, I'm busy. <laughs> you know, I run a company or... Uh, I work really hard. You know, I, I got lots going on, Jesus. And he's like, oh, I, 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 I need your help. I need you to feed my sheep. And it's like, well, I, I don't really have a ministry. I'm, I'm more in the marketplace. And Jesus is like, yeah, all the disciples are in the marketplace. So feed my sheep. Well, I don't really know what that would be like for me, you know, um, the church hasn't really started a ministry that captures my attention yet. You know, I'm more into a really niche thing. And that's the, once the church starts a ministry toward the people that I'm called to, then maybe I'll jump on. Do not wait for the church to start a ministry for you. This is not like, hey, Peter, once the church gets organized and actually finds a ministry that you're interested in, then feed my sheep. No. Feed my sheep. You get to decide who those sheep are. You get to decide what group of people that God has put a passion inside of you and then find one or two and start feeding them. That might actually mean food. It might mean spiritual. It might mean pray for them. 
Like, for example, how many young families in this room would love to have twice a month some caring, loving, patient people take care of your kids so you can go on a date? How many young families would like that? I know there's a lot, and there's probably more in your neighborhood. Okay? And they're going, you want to take care of my kids so I can go on a date? It's like, yeah. No, we remember when we had young kids, and we're like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, even, I forgot that I had a soul, right? It's just like it was bizarre. <laughs> I just diapers and food and all that kind of stuff. So we just don't want you to, we just want, we just, you matter. What is that? What is that? That's feeding my sheep, even if they're lost sheep, right? There's a, there's a woman I know, she's, she's discovered her sheep. She's, she says, my passion is to be with seniors in their final hours. And I'm like, well, what does that look like? She goes, I have become a volunteer at the local hospice. And I find, I find men and women that have no family. And then I hold their hand. And I pray for them. And I love them. And I sing songs to them. And then she just starts to cry. And then I start to cry. <laughs> and that's not even my thing, right? Not that I don't care about all of you who are seniors. I am one. <laughs> but that's not my thing. That's her thing. And Jesus is like, oh, you're feeding my sheep. <laughs> Well done. You get, to, you get to discern who your sheep are. It could, it could be the, the, the teenager down the road. It, it, it could be a coworker. It could be some single families. It could be some people that don't have, like, lots of food, right? It's like, hey, can we bring over a meal a month and actually feed some sheep, right? You don't have to wait for the church to start some ministry. Just feed some sheep, okay? Jesus' first question is, do you love me more than these, first, and then second, once that's, been, once that's been solidified, now go feed sheep. That's all he wants. That's really it. He's like, oh, thank you, Peter. So Peter found some sheep. John found some sheep. Even Nathaniel found some sheep. It's your turn. It's your turn. So it's right now, Holy Spirit, what kind of sheep do you want me to feed? Even if it's calling somebody and say, hey, monthly, I'm going to call you up and say, what, do you, what can I pray for? Is that too difficult? No. That's feeding sheep. That's caring for the lambs. That's caring for either their found lambs, lost lambs, doesn't matter. What does that look like, Jesus? A few years back, I asked this same room. I said, could you dedicate 20% of your week just to focusing on Jesus and his kingdom? 60% of the room said, yeah, we could do that. I bet you it's not changed. There's space. There's sp Some of you are really busy. Fine. Feed the sheep. Some of you actually got space. Some of you, you have many nights at home where you're wondering what to watch. <laughs> Boring. Feed some sheep. It's like, well, my ministry days are over. I'm 65. Oh, you have more wisdom, more time, and more money than you have in your whole wide world, and you're done? Like, I, I mean, I've been ministering to churches for 30 years, and I told Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it off to the next group. I'm just kind of tired and done. And Jesus rebuked me and goes, you have more time, more wisdom, and more money. And I'm like, do I? I guess I do. Than you ever have in your life, don't you dare tell me you're done. I need you. I'm like, okay. What do I do? Feed my sheep. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so you might go, 65, I, I saw that 15 years ago. Great. So you're 80, feeds a sheep. Find some young people and just like, 
I don't know if I, I don't have a lot of wisdom for you, but I just want to, I just, can I just pray for you? Or can I bring some food over once a month? Or can I actually get DoorDash? You don't even have to leave your house. There's a new thing called DoorDash, and you can send like 100 bucks to a family and feed them, and they're like, we love you. You're actually feeding sheep. Let's, uh, let's land the plane. What we're going to do is that we're going to invite you forward for communion. This is, this is um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, as you heard a few weeks ago. Jesus broke the bread, and he gave the cup. This is an everlasting reminder of Jesus going, I paid for your failure. Do not carry your failure. Do not carry shame. Shame is not your friend right now. Peter walked in shame, but as soon as he saw that it was Jesus, he jumped out of the boat. And I'm calling you to do the same. Jump out of this thing that you run to in the midst of discouragement. Jump out of this thing that you run to in the, in the midst of failure. <coughs> and run to Jesus. So come on forward and get your elements. So Jesus, uh, let's circle back to his question. Do you love me more than these? And some of you could honestly say, yes, I do. I love you more than the things I normally run to. My security, my safe place. I, I love you more than that. And some of you are going, I, I'm not there. Is that, does that mean I'm out? It's like, no, you're in a perfect place. <laughs> you're in the place and it's like, okay, Jesus, I don't, I don't love you more than these, but I would like to. Because these don't really work. So when Peter got into the boat and caught nothing, that's how some of you feel. You're running to the these and they're not working. In that moment, you get to go, Jesus, would you love me so well that I could return that love back to you. That's where you're at. And that's kind of what communion is for. It's like, Jesus, I want to receive your love to the point where I can actually say, I love you more than these. Jesus, I receive your sacrifice. I remember the fact that you said that your body was for us. On the night that you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it. And you said, this is my body, which is for you. It's for you. It's for your benefit. It's for your good. This will be good for you. My body will become the veil that which you can go through right into the most holy place and be face to face with God. That's why my body is good for you. And then he said this, receive my love. John 15, abide in me and let my word abide in you. And if you can abide in anything, John 15, 9, abide in my love. This is my body, which is for you. Will you receive it? And if you're willing to receive it, take and eat. I wonder what Peter experienced the first time he received communion after his betrayal, after his denial. It's like, my, my guess is, he's like, oh, the blood of Jesus is really strong. It can even forgive a man like me. 
And Paul oversaw the death of thousands of Christians. That was his job, to wipe out Christians. And he ends up writing the majority of the New Testament. Can you imagine how he received communion? I need this. Oh, I need this. Oh, I need to know that everything I've done is paid for. Everything I've done is wiped away, gone, because of the powerful blood of Jesus. Will you receive that? Will you not allow shame to win? Will you allow the blood of Jesus to win? Will you allow him to forgive you? Will you receive it, even though you don't deserve it? This is the kingdom, learning how to receive what you don't deserve. And it starts right here, with the blood. And if you'll receive it and let him wash away everything, I want you to drink all of it in remembrance of what he did. This is really good news. Let's just stand together. I want to pray for you. Jesus, we're not going to run to these things. We're not going to run to our boats, to our nets, to our, our iPhones, to the food, to the addiction stuff, to the next, the next project, the next business. We're not running there. We're running to you, Jesus. We're going to jump out of that boat and we're going to run to you and we're going to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus said, I just need to be close to you. I need you. I need you. I need your body. I need your blood. I need you. And Jesus, you're just like, okay, if you love me, let's get going. Let's feed some sheep. Let's, let's take care of some people. Let's love people in need. Let's do it together. This is exciting. This is what you were made for. So Jesus, we just say yes. We just say yes. Holy Spirit, we need your help. We need your help so this forgiveness goes deep. I speak a blessing on, on this, this, this group right now that we all would be given Holy Spirit power to say no to these and yes to Jesus. No to these, yes to Jesus. That we would run, that we'd make our way to you and say, help me, Jesus. And some of you, you need some prayer this morning. Say, I'm stuck in the these. I'm <laughs> just stuck and I need, I need some prayer just to get me to Jesus. If that's you, come on up. We'd love to pray for you. But for the rest of you, you get Jesus is going to ask you all week, you love me more than these? And then he's going to say, if you do, feed my sheep. And then you get to discern what does that look like? And you get to take steps towards being a powerful man, powerful woman in the kingdom that actually just learns how to love people, learn how to care for people, learn how to feed people. Bless you, bless you, bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.